MSW Media. News was wearing daily beans, daily beans, daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, December 10th, 2019. Today, impeachment hearings in the judiciary continue. The Department of Justice Inspector General report on the oranges of the Russia investigation is released. Republican Duncan Hunter resigns after pleading guilty to federal felony charges. And it appears Vice President Pence illegally classified his phone call with Zelensky to hide a crime or politically embarrassing information. I'm your host, AG, and with me today is Jordan Coburn. Hello. Hello. Hi. I am back. Thank you for... Yay. Jordan, take the wheel. Of course. Thank yes. you so much. I left you without headphones. I realized that. No, it's fine. Uh, Amanda had some, and we were able to do it that way. Excellent. Because yeah. I, I got on the plane like with the headphones, and I was like, uh-oh. Yeah. No, it was, it was totally good. <sighs> I will say, I don't know how you do that all the time. My what? voice was gone by the end. Oh, just keep Entirely. talking? Yeah. I just, maybe I just talk a lot my whole life. I don't, we were talking about this. You have like throat strength. Throat strength. <laughs> yes. Throat strength. Throat strength. Do it, do it. You can hear, though, sometimes I'll get like a little. Yeah. Um, like I have to clear my throat. Not as bad as Sensenbrenner. The duck guy drove me crazy today. Oh. The Republican mm-hmm. from Wisconsin is like, gurgle, gurgle, phlegm, 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 gurgle, phlegm, gurgle. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> point of order. Clear your throat. Yeah. It's really hard to listen to. I mean, aside from the bullshit. I couldn't even listen to the bullshit he was saying because I couldn't get past his throaty gargles yeah anyway um we have a lot of news uh today was ridiculous we expected it to be we had a bunch of shit happen today so uh and actually um up front i just want to talk about a minute order that just came in uh last minute here across my desk which means my phone Mm -hmm. and it was from judge leon in the kupperman case Mm. apparently he said a thing he's put in an order he's like i'm gonna listen to you guys tomorrow three parties 20 minutes each and then leave five at the end for people to ask you cross questions and we aren't going to talk about the merits tomorrow we're just going to talk about moodiness mootiness moodability you know, whether or not I should even hear this case. Yeah. So that's what they're going to argue tomorrow, because I know both the D- Department of Justice and the House Democrats want this dismissed. And Kupperman's like, no, and put the sergeant at arms in there, too. I want a decision. Damn. Um, so we'll see. Knowing also parallel in parallel, the McGann case is going to be heard in the <clears throat> D.C. Court of Appeals on January 3rd. Two cases, that one and the Grandular, the Grandular Miller earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Grandular, <sighs> the glandular, com- <laughs> the, <laughs> the Mueller grand jury material case, uh, January third. Uh, we've been calling it the separation of power Super Bowl, mm-hmm. both in the D.C. Court of Appeals. So they aren't even in the Supreme Court yet. We do know the Supreme Court has the other three cases: the Cy Vance Mazars case, the Oversight Mazars case, and the Deutsche Bank Capital One stuff. They're going to hear. They're going to look at all that in conference on December thirteenth. Um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg issued a temporary stay, in administrative stay, in the Deutsche Bank case that expires that day. So that says to me that they intend to look at that to see if they're going to grant a permanent, a more permanent stay um, then. So probably what's going to happen is they'll grant the stay in the Deutsche Bank case and they'll probably agree um, to grant cert in the two Mazars cases. So that means that we're still more going time. on it. Yeah, yeah, more time. Now, <clears throat> the ultimate would be if they she denied the stay, they denied the stay, she, they, mm-hmm. the Supreme Court, denied the stay in the Deutsche Bank case and refused, denied cert 
in, in the other two cases, which means Trump's fucked. We get the Mazars and Deutsche Bank stuff by the end of the month. Mm-hmm. I doubt that'll happen, though. Don't get your hopes up. Yeah. Um, Don't worry. That's not going to happen. Not today. <laughs> <laughs> One day your ship will come in. Yeah. Friday is not that day. Yeah. Today is not the day my hopes are up. No, today is not a good day for hopes. No. And I, I want to apologize up front for that. I'm probably going to be kind of a negative Nancy today, a Debbie Downer. Yeah, that's okay. Um, but I mean, great spirits. I had a good time in Cleveland. I got to see the family. Um, the Ohio State won. They beat the Badgers and Cleveland Browns beat the Bengals. So it was a big, great, Hell awesome yeah. football weekend. That never happens. <laughs> <laughs> um, the last time I was in Cleveland to watch a game was the, uh, it was in September, I think, of 2014. And, and it was when they debuted Manziel and we lost to the Bengals 30-0. Ooh, that hurts. And it was really, really cold. So it was nice and sunny and about 45 degrees. Uh, the lake still smells like butts, but that's okay. Uh, yeah. Cigarette butts? No, like, uh. like people butts. <laughs> like butt butts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. It's uh, a lot of news. Big news day. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. So the impeachment hearings kicked off today in the Judiciary Committee. Uh, multiple efforts to force the addition of... A, for it's, it, it, the whole thing was just... Uh, a clusterfuck. Yeah. First, they had to kick out the InfoWars guy. Yeah. <laughs> that there was this beardy guy who looks like he can get laid. Mm-hmm. I don't know what his problem is, mm-hmm. uh, but he, you know, it just busts that myth wide open. I guess nice looking beardy fella. Um, definitely looks like he could be a white supremacist though. Yeah. And he, he's, <laughs> I <love the laughs> an a- analysis of looks. <laughs> Or like incel on a scale of zero to ten. That's how we frame these things. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, Infowars host, um, total dickhead, started yelling, "Rude Nadler, you're a traitor!" Blah blah blah. They had to escort him out, so that started. Nadler's just laughing. He he. So. I know, I know. But Ryan was showing me that this morning, and I was just like, the chillness that Nadler responded with is just definitely indicative of how many times he's had to deal that bullshit over his career. <laughs> no, he's it's like, like mm-hmm. all right, fucking, <laughs> yeah. One of these. All right, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. So uh, dumb. And and no one stood up and joined him. Nope. <laughs> he just did he was it on all, his own. He was all by, even Matt Gates was like, what? Yeah, just an island of crazy. <sighs> so that hot guy left. Yeah. And then um, <laughs> multiple, well, who... Multiple efforts to force the addition of a minority hearing pursuant to the House rules. That mm-hmm. happened a bunch. So we want our hearing. Blah, 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 blah. And Jerry Nadler explained it a hundred times. Like, this isn't the forum for when we decide if the hearing is. You submitted your request. I'm considering it. Well, by the House rules. Oh, well, cool. I'll look at that. And if you want to bring it up in a hearing, the correct hearing to do that in is when we drop the articles of impeachment. That, when we talk about the articles. That's when you would bring it up. Have If I haven't already approved you for you to have a minority hearing. Yeah. God, that would be a shit show. Yeah, it really would be. I think he does have to give him one. Yeah, sure. I looked at the rules. <laughs> I feel like they are in such an abusive relationship emotionally with one another, Democrats and Republicans. And and, and then it's just like Sure, whatever. I don't give a fuck. That's like how both sides feel right now. I don't give a fuck. Just get the fuck out of my face. And when I have to deal with something, I guess I will. Fuck you. That's how both sides are. Whatever, it's my fault. You're right. Fuck you. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. fucking so painfully unproductive. Yeah, it was hard to watch today. Yeah. Um, For the American people, as far as they're concerned. Yes, exactly. And that's really who this should be for. Um. If a minority hearing is not granted, the appropriate hearing, as I said, would be to make it during the 
the hearing where the judiciary would be considering considering articles of impeachment. Uh, then the Republicans got even more pissy that Nadler didn't swear the lawyers in before their opening statements. Um, that point of order was tabled and a roll call vote was taken. That that clerk, by the way, has gotten really fast at the roll call. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <I did. laughs> got a lot of roll call practice going on. So, eyes and nays and nose have it. And, oh, tape. Oh, we want a roll call vote. You're going to lose. Yeah. Why? We all know exactly how everyone's going to vote. I <laughs> know. Why can't they just raise hands and count? But uh, Robert's rules of order, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so roll call was taken. Just more obstruction, more idiocy from the right. There was also an early uh, protester, like I said. He he got kicked out. Um, mm-hmm. He's also, that guy, by the way, not just an InfoWars host, but like a Pizzagate guy. Mm. Like that level mm-hmm. of... Right. I imagine if they're on InfoWars. It's a waste of good hair. Yep. <laughs> so Burke gave his opening statement. I like Burke. And then Castro did his. And he seemed to make the, the Castro seemed, or sorry, Castro. Mm-hmm. He seemed to make the Democrats argument for them. Um, he's like, this hearing is moving fast. 76 days. That was the pounded that thing home forever. Uh, the Dems in Congress have issued multiple subpoenas, hundreds of subpoenas. He, he brought up the Mueller report basically saying, he was basically like, Trump is so corrupt that there are a million subpoenas and there's a ton of investigations and, and, you know, he's trying to make the point that it's just partisan, but we didn't, this isn't, this is the first time we've ever had like this much shit mm-hmm. go down. So it's, it's a weird argument to make. There's no historical precedent for Democrats being this way. Right. Um, he made the GOP argument again that Dems don't have all the evidence, but forgot to mention it was, be, you know, but for the president ignoring subpoenas. Uh, and he brought up the Republican talking point of impeachment is nothing more than an effort to overturn the election, which I'm tired of hearing that because that's what impeachment is for. It's for presidents. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, it's, that means no impeachment is appropriate. Right. And on the topic of trying to not further interfere with a general election, I think that's one of the reasons the Democrats are trying to go really fast right now or as fast as they can at this point. It seems like. They're digging the spurs in more than they have, right? Obviously, the timelines are moving faster. And so for Republicans to be like, no, we need all this shit. It's like, okay, really? So what do you want? Do you want this to be done before the next election or not? Because if you want to do it the way that you're going to do it, which, as we already know, is going to go nowhere. Mm -hmm. Because, like I said, both of your guys, both parties are just like, fuck you. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Then let's just get the shit done. You know, yeah, and, and, and I mean, cause, yeah, because the argument of dragging it out is to just get more to, to you know, we could let the McGann shit go through, let the government case go through, compel the testimony, get them in. Republicans yeah. don't want that. I don't think that. Either. Um, and and they've been saying, oh, you're rushing it, you're rushing it, you're rushing it. And if we don't rush it, they'll be like, it's too close to the election, it's too close to the election, it's too mm-hmm. close to the election. So whatever we're doing, they're just going to find some sort of a. a you know objection to yeah. it i think they actually might want it to go closer to the election though because then they'll have something to campaign on yeah yeah it's really their only hope is to is to just run against the fact that democrats wanted to impeach the president a duly elected president yeah mm-hmm. that's even questionable um, then Goldman gave his opening statement uh, and outlined four major points. Basically, first, Trump used the power of his office to pressure and induce the newly elected president of Ukraine to interfere in the 2020 presidential election for Trump's personal and political benefit. Uh, number two, in order to increase the pressure on Ukraine to announce the politically motivated investigations that Trump wanted, uh, he withheld a coveted Oval Office meeting and $391 million of essential military assistance from Ukraine. 
Uh, also, number three, Trump conduct sought to Trump's conduct sought to undermine our free and fair elections and poses an imminent threat to our national security. And that imminent threat, I don't quite understand this argument. We have to impeach him now because this is an imminent threat, as if impeaching him is going to stop him from continuing to interfere in the elections. Even if we impeached and removed him, mm-hmm. the Republicans are still going to be cheating. I don't understand this. What 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 makes them think that if we impeach by the end of December? our 2020 elections will be safe. Right. Yeah, that is something that's not talked about nearly enough, as we've talked about with multiple election security experts. It's like the Democrats are kind of sleeping a little bit on... I know they're doing what they can, especially given the fact that McConnell won't sign anything that's on his desk. But, yeah. Yeah. And then the the fourth uh, point was faced with the revelation of his pressure campaign against Ukraine. Trump directed an unprecedented effort to obstruct Congress's impeachment inquiry into his conduct. So mm-hmm. those are going to be two clear articles of impeachment, abuse of power and obstruction of Congress and then probably obstruction of justice. But what I didn't hear in the hearing today that I thought I was going to hear was the judiciary arguing about the Mueller obstruction of justice. They didn't even I mean, they mentioned Mueller here and there. But they, there wasn't that presentation of their findings in that report. This was just a rehashing of the, the two-month Ukraine investigation in the House Intel uh, Foreign Affairs and Oversight Committee mm-hmm. hearings that we all watched on television. Then um, we move on to the Republican opening statement. This was such a long day. This is Castor. I call him, he's like the lesser Lewandowski. He's, <laughs> he's like the Lewandowski with manufactured defects that you have to get a... <laughs> return on warranty yeah like he's um, trying to be snarky but he's not confident about it <laughs> and it's just the faces he makes him yeah um he he had a re- he rebutted saying the inquiry had provided no direct evidence that trump withheld aid or a white house meeting in exchange for investigations which is just incorrect uh then he does the no malicious intent defense and ambiguous facts that could be taken many ways <laughs> he's, he just says there's no bribery or quid pro quo in the call summary he just says that there's none uh, and that was uh, just a happy, giggly, congenial call between friends, you know, Trump and Zelensky. And, and then Castro made all these claims without proving them. I mean, he had they're just weird, like, OK. Mm-hmm. And and I mean, how do you defend that kind of idiocy? Like the Democrats are like, here's the words. And they just over and over again just kept saying the same thing, which is here's what he said. Right. Like there was even a moment where he where they, where they were asking Castro, like, all right, so Trump said this. And Trump said this, so this. And he's like, no. Yep. <laughs> You're like, what are you even talking yes. about? Yes. I feel like one of the reasons why there hasn't been, you know, a lot of movement on a minority hearing is because they have a minority hearing every time there's any hearing at all. Mm-hmm. There's always two separate hearings going on on each of these. Mm-hmm. There's a hearing that's actually investigating the facts that are in front of everybody. And then there's a hearing that's the Republicans just questioning all the shit that they would question if they got their own stage time. So it's like... Why do you even need your own hearing? Stage time. Yeah. (laughs) And you know what? Give them a hearing. Nobody's going to fucking watch it. We're all kind of tired of this shit anyway. So enjoy. I mean, I'll watch it because it's my job and I'm to tell you what happens, but I don't want to. Yeah. Um, He then went on to try to justify investigations into Burisma and the 2016 U.S. election interference and says that since people thought Burisma was corrupt, that gives Trump the green light to require an investigation into it. Then he, too, accused Ukraine of interfering in the 2016 election, conflating Ukrainian officials supporting Clinton with the criminal hacking and weaponization of DNC and DCCC emails perpetrated by Russia. He's making this moral Mm -hmm. equivalency. It's disgusting. Um, That assertion alone, just him saying that in a public hearing, helps Putin. 
Um, no one is arguing that some Ukraine officials supported Clinton. Some supported Trump. Multiple government officials from dozens of countries publicly opposed Trump and dozens publicly opposed Clinton. That's not illegal nor criminal. It's not election interference. Uh, and the conflation of that kind of public support or opposition with that of what Russia did to undermine our election security is nothing short of despicable. I hate it. I hate them. I hate their faces. Yeah. It just helps Putin and does Castor's di- diatribe about how shitty and corrupt Ukraine is. As to, like That's just... Him up there like, oh, Ukraine is the most corrupt country ever. Like, you're not helping our national security. He's mm-hmm. just doing Putin's dirty work for him yep. while undermining our own national security. It's unforgivable. Uh, and that's the Republicans' only response to these allegations, that Ukraine sucks. Um, they they might have interfered in our elections, and Trump has every right to ask for investigations into Burisma and 2016 election interference. But the idea that Trump was investigating corruption is blown to shit when you realize there was never any mention by Trump about any other... Uh, investigations other than the two that would help him personally and politically. Uh, even when Vindman told Trump, he, he wrote him a little scripty script for his call to mention wider corruption. It, Trump didn't. Mm-hmm. That would have been a smart thing yeah, to do. Immensely helpful to his case. Yeah, but he didn't do it. Nope. Uh, no one can actually provide any evidence that Trump was worried about wider corruption. There's just evidence that he hated Ukraine and didn't give a shit about it. That's come, you know, that's with the David Holmes conversation with Sunland, who told him Trump didn't give a fuck about Ukraine and only cared about the personal politically beneficial investigations and that he only gave he only had to announce the investigations and not complete them. Mm-hmm. That's not getting to the bottom of anything. And of course, you know, the sickly Lewandowski failed to mention any of that. Yeah. And this was brought up today during the hearings, too. I forget who brought it. I forgot who brought it up. But it's... um it was pretty much it was already determined that Ukraine was considered to be fit to receive that aid already. They had already gone through the process of determining they weren't corrupt enough. Yeah, the appropriations to not get committee in Congress already appropriated the funds. Exactly. And so that doesn't happen in a vacuum, right? So, no, so no, right. Yeah, the fact that he's going back on that, it's it's like you don't get to just jump in and now say that you weren't gonna do it because of wider corruption. You already made that Congress already made that decision yeah and and his argument is well as a new president i have to make sure but this new president ran on an anti-corruption ticket and so the next time congress appropriates those funds then it would be appropriate to uh have a a review as to whether or not the new president was an anti-corruption president Mm -hmm. but not in the middle of the appropriations not you know in the middle of that fiscal year uh, so it's just it makes absolutely no sense. Yeah. Um, and also is illegal. There were several a couple of legal people, at least one legal person who resigned from the Office of Management and Budget mm-hmm. over this. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to legally. This is not legally defensible yeah. um, under our laws and policies. Uh, and then we had the five minute back and forth shit. And most Republicans accused the Dems who they continually to refer to. They continually refer to as the Democrat Party, like a bunch of idiot assholes. <laughs> Uh, and most of the time, they just uh, kept hammering a few points, including wanting to know why Adam Schiff wasn't testifying. Where's Adam Schiff? Oh, my God. He's probably at his desk. I was going to say, fucking around the corner. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. And they complained about the process, the sham process, and then they demanded the whistleblower come forward. Uh, their defense is that there's corruption in Ukraine and Trump is well within the law. Uh, to call for investigations outside the normal channels of the Department of Justice because he shouldn't be able to trust the normal channels. It's his Department of Justice. <laughs> 
And they talked about how terrible um, the Bidens were and continue to talk about how some Ukraine officials backed Hillary and that this is the shortest impeachment in history, 76 days with the thinnest evidence. And they also continue to make hearsay remarks. Um, Democrats continue to dispute those allegations with demonstrable facts, documents and testimony. It's really all they can do. I, I again, this whole hearing, I just didn't even understand the purpose of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, if you're going to come in and present the report, present the report. But that during uh, Watergate and uh, Whitewater with with Ken Starr and Jaworski, they just sent the report to the judiciary. There wasn't a let's rehash it. Mm -hmm. We've seen it all. We know it all. Mm -hmm. Um, There was also a lot of Republicans complaining that Burke wasn't sworn in and that he donated to Democrats. Uh, But Burke was presenting the report and uh, Castor, when he was presenting the minority report, was not sworn in either. Just all sorts of incorrect parliamentary idiotic bullshit it was just meant to delay yeah. the hearings and frustrate people yeah did you hear matt gates rant <laughs> on the donations which one yeah right God, that guy yeah stop yelling now there's like stop the gentleman <laughs> will shut the fuck up like he just wouldn't shut up no i hate him so much <sighs> i so really punchable. oh god yeah it is really hard to find You know, you're supposed to find, like, love in your enemies or whatever the fuck any of those phrases are. (laughs) But I'm having... (laughs) I didn't have enough Jesus in my life. But Hmm. I really... uh, I'm really trying to find ways to, like, transfer this deep, deep hatred frequency that I have just buzzing in my body right now. Yeah. And turn it into something. I think that's what they were trying to do. Yeah. And I don't know. I didn't see the point of this hearing. We didn't learn anything new. Uh, They didn't mention the fabricated September 9th call between Sunland and Trump, and they didn't discuss the Pence call that Schiff wrote a letter about saying Pence needs to declassify it because you can't classify something just because it's embarrassing or because you're trying to cover up a crime. They just seem to like rehash the intel investigation, the, the, you know, the three committees that Mm -hmm. we watched for for two weeks of testimony and two months of an investigation. The majority report could have been covered in a press conference. Uh, what I wanted was information about the judiciary investigation and how those findings factor into impeachment. They didn't even talk about that. Mm-hmm. We got pretty much none of that. Just reheard all the Ukraine evidence and process issues raised by Republicans. Just a repeat. Just a rerun. Yep. And then in the end, uh, Collins, Doug Collins read cherry-picked bits of the IG report that was just released saying, if you don't have the page FISA, you don't have the Russia investigation. He clearly didn't read the report because the report says that the FISA warrant and the Steele dossier came after the FBI opened the investigation and the, and the investigation was opened properly. Mm-hmm. So he was just going on about that. And it's interesting because to me, that whole IG report, and we'll talk about this on the other side of the break, the IG report that came out today, basically it implicates Trump in the Ukraine investigation. Mm-hmm. Because if if you are saying that the FBI didn't have enough like how do i say this like the whole republican theory is that in the russia investigation the fbi didn't have enough um precedent didn't have enough evidence to to even start it the the ig found that not to be true the ig said plenty to meet the low bar to start an investigation everything's on the up and up but now to come in and say he wants to personally have his lawyer, Giuliani, start investigations into Biden over far less, with far less information and evidence, and not go through the proper channels, mm-hmm. is just, it's like a double whammy. And, and no one really talked about that. Um, in fact, when Nadler got the got the mic back after uh, Doug Collins was 
saying just telling lies about what the ig report found he didn't counter them at all but yep. i mean you know he didn't have the information uh, pr- presumably somebody prepared that for collins and then nobody prepared a rebuttal yeah seems like it'd be something you should be able to do offhand though at this point because it's the same shit different day yeah although it you know it did come out while they were in the hearing and so you know maybe he didn't have a chance to look at it but somebody could have told him hey that's not real yeah oh god just to say if you don't have the page fisa you don't have the russia investigation as if the Russia investigation was opened on the Page FISA. It wasn't. Yeah. Page FISA, when we knew this before, Page FISA was in September. Right. The initial one. A crossfire hurricane was opened July 31st. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we'll be right back with those findings uh, from the Department of Justice Inspector General report. So stay with us. Hey, everybody. It's AG. This Helping of Daily Beans is brought to you by Embark. I am a dog mom. I love my pod dog. Born on Christmas, she was. Full name, Olive the Other Reindeer. We call her Olive. The most important thing I did for my dog is give her the Embark breed and health DNA test. I wanted to learn as much as I could about how to best care for her. Over 50% of dogs are either at risk or a carrier of a genetic disease, and the Embark breed and health DNA test gives you screens for any potential health conditions, so you have all the information necessary to provide your dog with their best life. Learn all about your dog's breed and lineage with one easy test. You just send in one simple cheek swab, really easy to get, and they do the rest. Embark uses the most comprehensive DNA testing on the market, looking at over 100 times as much genetic information as the competition, not only to give the most accurate results, but to make future genetic discoveries. And that's the important part. You're really contributing to a body of knowledge. Every Embark pup brings us closer to the goal of ending preventable diseases in dogs. Embark has an exclusive holiday offer for you. You know somebody on your list who's got maybe a rescue pup and or even you you know a dog that you just don't know what their history is. You can get you can get this offer for the holidays. Go to EmbarkVet.com now and use promo code DAILYBEANS to save 15% off your dog DNA test kit. That's EmbarkVet.com. Use promo code DAILYBEANS to save. You'll be glad you did. All right, welcome back. The good news from today, the long-awaited Department of Justice Inspector General Horowitz released his nearly 400, actually it's more than 400-page report on the origins, the oranges, of the investigation, Crossfire Hurricane. And he found that there was uh, there was predication to open the investigation based on articulable facts that clearly provide a basis for the FBI to open the investigation. As predicted, the Inspector General has cleared top officials, including Comey, McCabe, and Strzok, of any wrongdoing in opening the investigations, and Lisa Page, too. And the IG also finds that the investigation was not a setup or a frame job and that Mifsud was not working for a U.S. intelligence community. Um, I'll go over key findings, but first I wanted to talk about how Chris Steele was informed late Sunday night, this is breaking from ABC, that the report would contain information about him that was originally supposed to be redacted. These last-minute changes come from Bill Barr, and a rep from the Inspector General Horowitz's office uh, contacted Steele and told him that Barr has decided to allow for this release of information, but gave him no details about what information it would be or how it would affect the report's portrayal of him. According to the New York Times, this is highly unusual, and the Department of Justice gave Steele no opportunity to respond. It's Mm. uh, also not clear why the information on Steele was redacted in the first place or what information they're even talking about. I've looked through the report, and I'm trying to figure out what it is. Could it be the Ivanka stuff? That was one of the new revelations that came out um, from ABC that that he was friends with Ivanka. But you know, given the cursory read, it, that they you know that's the only thing I can see that maybe could have been redacted. Um, but they knew each other. She met with him in 2007 to see if he would work for the Trump organization, where she was the executive vice president at the time. <laughs> she wanted him Swing and a miss. <laughs> she wanted him to help out with the Trump organization's planning expansion into foreign markets. 
ABC says they knew about this in 2018, but did not have enough information to report it confidently. They exchanged emails, Steele and Ivanka, uh, but never worked together. The relationship came uh, to light as the Department of Justice Inspector General was looking into the allegations of political bias at the origins of the the Russia investigation in May of 2018. In the report released today, this relationship is briefly mentioned as Steele uh, cited it uh, as a reason to believe he was not biased against the Trumps. And if anything, he was favorably predisposed before he began the research. Mm -hmm. We didn't know that until today. He was Mm -hmm. like, how can I possibly be biased? I've been having a back and forth, cordial relationship, conversation, business style with Ivanka Trump for for over a decade. Yeah. Um, So reading the IG report. The initial findings in the executive summary uh, are exactly as we determined uh, and that has been reported by outlets that got an advanced copy of the report. Four key findings um, that I noted. Let me pull them up here on my phone because I took pictures. (laughs) I took pictures of the report on my phone. (laughs) I am a different kind of person. (laughs) Um, Given the low threshold for predication uh, in the... AG guidelines and the DIOG, we concluded that the FFG information provided by a government the United States intelligence community deems trustworthy and describing a firsthand account from an FFG employee of a conversation with Papadopoulos was sufficient to predicate the investigation. The information provided the FBI with an articulable factual basis that, if true, reasonably indicated activity. Oh, so sorry. <laughs> uh, that's okay. We'll just keep going. We drop things. My bed. Gravity. Right. Hey, it's under my butt now. You gotta, you know, gotta test gravity. Yep. Um, this information provided the FBI with an articulable factual basis that, if true, reasonably indicated activity constituting either a federal crime or a threat to national security or both, may have occurred or may be occurring. For similar reasons, as we detail in Chapter Three, we conducted, we concluded that the quantum of information articulated by the FBI to open the individual investigations on Papadopoulos, Page, Flynn, and Manafort. Uh, was sufficient to satisfy the low threshold established by the department and the FBI. Mm-hmm. And so this is the downer. Yeah. Stuff. yeah. 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 Pretty much. Totally. And they're like, yeah, it's enough. That's suspicious yeah. enough. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Uh, as part of a review, we also sought to determine whether there was evidence that political bias or other improper considerations affected decision making in Crossfire Hurricane, <laughs> including the decision to open the investigation. We discussed the issue of political bias in a prior Office of Inspector General report um, where we described the texts, uh, text and instant messages between special counsel to the deputy director, Lisa Page, and then Section Chief Peter Strzok, among others, that included statements of hostility toward the candidate Trump and statements of support for then-candidate Clinton. In this review, we found that while Lisa Page attended some of the discussions regarding the opening of the investigation, she did not play a role in the decision to open Crossfire Hurricane or the four individual FISA cases, or no, individual cases, Page, Papadopoulos, Flynn, mm-hmm. Manafort. Uh, we further found that while Strzok was directly involved in the decisions to open Crossfire Hurricane and the four individual cases, he was not the sole or even the highest level decision maker as to any of those matters. As noted above, the CDAD pre-Strzok Strzok supervisor was the official who ultimately made the decision to open the investigation and evidence reflected that his decision uh, was reached by consensus after multiple days of discussions and meetings that included Strzok and other leadership Uh, In the CD, the FBI Deputy Director, the FBI General Counsel, and the FBI Deputy General Counsel, we concluded that Priestrap's exercise of discretion in opening the investigation was in compliance with Department and FBI policies. We did not find documentary or testimonial evidence that political bias or improper motivation influenced his decision. We similarly found that while formal documentation opening each of the four individual investigations was approved by Strzok, 
there was not nothing wrong with it. So mm-hmm. on and on. Uh, here's my favorite, my third favorite, my third, the third part here. We did not find documentary or testimonial evidence that political bias or improper motivation influenced the FBI's decision to seek FISA authority on Carter Page. There you go. The end. And then finally, we found no evidence the FBI placed any spies um, or spies within the Trump campaign or tasked any spies or spies to report on the Trump campaign. They're not using the word spies. They call them CHS, the UCEs. What is that? Uh is that spies okay i have no idea um like informants right i'm trying to th- remember if mccabe talked to i think maybe he said it in his book what that stands for or something he probably did yeah um finally we also found no documentary testimonial evidence that political bias or improper motivations influenced the fbi's decision to use chs's or uces to interact with trump campaign officials in crossfire hurricane so when they did use informants because they did. Mm-hmm. Like, after the whole Papadopoulos Mifsud thing happened, they actually sent a couple people over to, like, intercept and try to talk to Papadopoulos more about what he knew. Right. And that's what he's bitching about. Well, he's bitching about Mifsud. That's true. Among other things. Being one in of the, the things whole he's bitching deep about. state thing was set up initially, and, yeah. and Alexander Downer was in on it. And it was some big conspiracy, deep state conspiracy to lose the election, I guess. Mm-hmm. So those are the four main things. Uh, And then uh, Ryan Riley found something pretty early on that the Department of Justice and Inspector General uncovered a number of messages from pro-Trump FBI employees, um, such as um, on November 9th, 2016, the handling agent and co-case handling agent for the CHS, that's one of the people informants, uh, also um, discussed the results of the election on an instant message exchange that reads, Trump, exclamation point. And then the co-case handling agent said, ha ha, shit just got real. And the other guy goes, yes, it did. Yeah. And the other guy goes, I saw a lot of scared motherfuckers on my way to work this morning. Start looking for new jobs, fellas. Ha ha ha. What the hell? That's the FBI, dude? Yeah. Well, what about that? These are the ones handling the deep state yeah, informants. Yeah, what about that? <laughs> yeah, should they be fired? No, those texts weren't released until today. Wow. Uh, the one thing that did surprise me that they found 17 mistakes with the FISA application. Mm-hmm. Uh, despite having found no political bias affected the work, the in- the inspector general uh, has significant issues with the Carter Page FISA. It lists those 17 issues and then makes nine recommendations for ch- future changes in the FISA process. No one's um, going to have like a criminal referral or anything? There was one criminal referral uh, uh, from one person, a lawyer, who added... Uh, something like a clarifying remark to an email mm-hmm. when they were trying to figure out if Carter Page had been a source for the FBI or because you can't put a FISA warrant on somebody who's a current source for an intelligence community okay. or for for an agency in the intelligence community. Okay. So they're having this conversation like, it, I know he helped us inform on Russia in 2008. Is he a current source? And they're like, no. And so then when he sent that email, he or she sent that email um initially it just said um some weird language that i couldn't decipher about him not participating in certain activities clearing him of this and that and this and that because of him being an informant previously being an informant but Mm -hmm. not anymore Mm -hmm. but they use a different word and then when they resent it for the fisa application they they put in parentheses not a source Mm -hmm. uh as a clarification point of clarification right it didn't make him not a source when he was it was a clarification after the fact and that's still bad you still aren't supposed to change any 
reports or findings when you're when you are taking up all this evidence to apply for the FISA. Uh, but this this person did that to and, and the, this person when asked was like, I was just trying to clarify because the language seemed, uh, you know, ambiguous. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you, you aren't allowed to do that okay. because you, now you're altering previous, I guess, information. OK. And that's the guy that has a criminal referral. And he was referred criminally. Mm-hmm. It's the only one in the entire process. Yeah. Um, which is pretty outstanding, actually. Considering uh, the claims that the other side is making? Y- yeah, and considering how many mistakes can be made. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that the this, they will find that this was unintentional. I don't think the criminal charges will be brought. Yeah, that they can establish intent of any kind. No, exactly. And, and in fact, the IG found there was no malicious or biased intent when the FISA was... Um, Granted, and mm-hmm. that's the initial that's the initial FISA and the renewal, because uh, you know as I said, oh, where did it go? We did not find documentary testimonial evidence that political bias or improper motivation influenced the FBI's decision to seek FISA authority on Carter Page. Mm-hmm. So that was what it boils down to, and I we didn't know that before, and I know that we were sort of speculating that it's probably just some dumb thing that doesn't mean anything, and the, and we knew early before the IG report came out that the IG made their decision. Um, that saying that the FISA wouldn't have the, the the application wouldn't have turned out any differently. It wouldn't have made a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now we know kind of exactly what the change was. It was a clarifying remark. Um, it does, although they did find that it solidifies the case um, for opening a you know getting the FISA, obtaining the FISA, but it didn't actually change any facts mm-hmm. about Carter Page no longer being a source for the FBI, therefore being, um, uh, you know, eligible to be surveilled. Yeah. And and as we all know, that was September, the initial one, and the renewals came after that. They were approved by Rod Rosenstein um, and all signed off by Rod Rosenstein and, and 800, 900 pages. The Christopher, the Christopher Steele um, dossier, the IG found that they didn't, the FBI didn't use that to open the investigation because they didn't have that information yet, but it was a significant, it did play a significant role in obtaining the FISA warrant. Uh, And a lot of the mistakes and errors that they found with the FISA warrant were that they were leaving out or omitting certain facts about how unreliable Christopher Steele was as a informant. Mm -hmm. But then there's also a bunch of stuff in the IG report about how he was so reliable that that's why they didn't include that stuff. But apparently one of his subsources um, was unreliable and they didn't explain that in, in their in their FISA warrant. And we should all welcome reform on the FISA process because that's a very big privacy invasion. Um, but to, to try to tell me that Carter Page shouldn't have been surveilled after he's already been busted with two Russian spy rings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't buy it. Me neither. So that's the um, IG report, pretty much exactly what we thought, although uh, there were a lot more errors and omissions in the FISA uh, applications than I initially thought. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, and I, I'm i 100% for modifying that and changing the way they do business on f- figuring out who, who, how they're going to, you know, if they're going to surveil Americans, yeah. American citizens. Even still, though, I bet Horowitz is going to be fired. Yeah, that, I'm worried about him mm-hmm. because Barr and... Who else? Somebody else is coming out against what he's... Uh, Durham put out a statement yep. today saying, I don't think there was enough evidence to open the investigation either. So Trump's got 
Durham and uh, Barr under his thumb, mm-hmm. and, you know, telling him, here's what you have to say about this. That's their spin. It's that there wasn't enough evidence to open the initial crossfire hurricane on the four people. Yeah. But the IG was like, there's way more than enough and it's totally fine and there was no bias. Yeah. More and more, it just seems more and more apparent that the election is what is going to be the last stand. Yep. And, um, you know, that's once the <laughs> once the Mueller report came out and everyone sort of ignored it. Yeah. That was kind of our conclusion. Like, right. It's the election. Yeah. It's like if you don't if you don't want to read and you don't want to give credence to facts, then I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. I don't know what to do at that point. Yeah. There's nothing you can do. Yeah. It's like screaming at a wall. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's too much work to sit there and listen to hearings. Mm-hmm. It's too much work to read summaries of things. All right. Sorry, then. Yeah. I guess. Hope 2020 goes better than it freaking seems books. like it's going to There's right Saturday now. Night Live. Yeah. We put out a, a thing. The, they did the report on another podcast. The Lawfare. Was it Lawfare? Um, million ways to get it. Yeah. And, you know... I think Pelosi was waiting for all of these things to go through the courts and then she was going to work on impeachment probably next year. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> in, in, you know, she, you know, I think that was her plan the entire time. But then the Ukraine stuff happened, sort of threw a wrench and everything. And they just went, they were like, well, that's impeachable. We got to impeach him on that. Yes. Because we can't impeach him on this stuff and not that. Yeah. I talked with, with Ryan about this because he's like, I think I mentioned this before. He's obviously very liberal, but... He's watching this just like, you know, if I was a Republican, I could I could see jumping on board with what they're saying. Mm-hmm. I'm not a Republican, so I don't. But the way that they're presenting it to someone that's already on their side, I could totally see how other people aren't going to jump on the side of the facts. And that's terrifying, especially when I know someone who's really liberal already is even seeing that. That's when it's just like this kind of shitty feedback loop of if no one's going to actually read the facts... I shouldn't say no one, but if people aren't going to read the facts and they would rather just be sort of a passive observer to all this, then their representatives, who might be Republican, aren't going to feel any sense of duty to do anything other than just align with Trump. And in turn, hopefully the electorate can just get their shit together for 2020, because right now they're not getting their shit together when it comes to pressing their representatives to do the right thing. Right. And we have to consider the fact that we don't have any election security bills. They're all sitting on Mitch McConnell's desk. And so we're fighting that uphill battle as well. Yeah. All right. We'll be right back with uh, Kamala Harris's demand for Stephen Miller's ouster and the implication of Vice President Pence in the Ukraine scandal. Stick around. Hey, friends, it's AG. Today's episode of The Daily Beans is brought to you by Zola. Zola is the place for all things weddings. I wish I knew about Zola when I got married because we used to use five different vendors and it was stressful and it was expensive and I'm sure we paid too much. But Zola makes wedding planning easier and less stressful with wedding websites, registries, invites and the guest list manager all in one place. Zola has free wedding website designs and makes it easy to create your site in minutes. You can add cool features like an online FAQ and RSVP page, a custom URL and password protection. With the highest rated registry of all time. You can register for gifts, experiences, and honeymoon funds. Add gifts from other stores or sync existing registries and get free shipping and returns, free easy exchanges, which you'll need, and price matching and group gifting. Shop your whole paper suite at Zola as well, from beautiful, affordable invites to save the dates and thank yous, all designed to match your wedding website theme. Customize with your own photos, wording, and more. They'll help you collect addresses and track online RSVPs with their free guest list manager. That would have come really a lot in handy for me because I did that man. 
annually. They'll even address your envelopes for free. Zola has helped one million couples get married, and they'll help you too. So sign up at Zola.com slash Daily Beans today. Uh, and use promo code PAPER30 to get 30% off your invites and paper order. That's Zola, Z-O-L-A, dot com slash Daily Beans, and use promo code PAPER30. You'll be glad you did. All right, welcome back. Uh, when I was gone yesterday, did, did y'all cover the letter from Adam Schiff to Pence? Uh, we did, yes, about the Jennifer Williams yeah, testimony. Yeah, telling yes. him to declassify that phone call. Yes, we did, yeah. That's so big, and it didn't come up today. I guess, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Mort, again, too much evidence to cover. It's like they have to put a marker at some point to stop and just like not add new shit. Yeah, and it kind of makes you like, I see why they're limiting it to just Ukraine. Yes, of course, I want the tax shit in there. Yes, I want emolument stuff in there. Yes, I want Mueller obstruction of justice stuff in there. But just to cover the Ukraine stuff is th- like this massive and still hard to understand when it should be so simple. Because mm-hmm. uh, it never stops. It doesn't. It doesn't. Um and, but I, I thought that that letter was extremely important. Pence even mm-hmm. said he had no objection to release the information about his call. Yep. And Schiff said it's illegal to overclassify information to cover up a crime or embarrassing stuff. Mm-hmm. Since uh, Schiff knows what was in the call, we can assume it's one or the other. Yeah. So. We were trying to speculate on what that call might entail, what some of those details were that she sort of remembered and tried to enter into the record and then they classified it. Yeah, well, I'm sure it has something to do with the investigations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we were thinking, because the timing, the call came after the whistleblower complaint was announced publicly. So Mm -hmm. if that's the case, then I was saying it must have been some sort of call that was effectively like, hey, this thing came out and you'll see this. So, you know, let me just tell you how I'm going to spin that for, obviously it wouldn't say that, but but some sort of like explanatory call. Right. It was after the aid was released. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, September 19th. September 18th. September 18th. Yeah. So that means, you know, there could have been a a question about why the aid was being released so slowly because they didn't release it all. Mm-hmm. They released it 10% at a time, which means it makes it unspendable yeah. uh, by uh, Ukraine. Yeah. So there could have been a discussion about that. Mm-hmm. It had to have been some sort of a damage control call. Yeah. and uh, But for sure, it's either covering up embarrassing shit or a crime mm-hmm. uh, because Schiff knows what was in that call or at least what Jennifer Williams told the house behind closed doors was in that call. So yep. I assume we'll find out. That's not something that they'll keep secret because he, because Schiff said you have to declassify it. Uh, I, I don't know that um, it has to be Pence that declassifies it. Schiff might be able to declassify it. The, the Intel committee might be able to declassify it or they could just say, you have a chance to do this or we're just going to put it out there. I don't know how it's going to get out to us, but it will. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I just don't know how. Yeah. Or does Pence have to be the one that declassifies it because he classified it? Because what, what are you going to do? File a, a, a criminal complaint to bar? Buzzfeed. Buzz. <laughs> Buzzfeed. Buzzfeed. <laughs> Leopold. Get on it, Leopold. <laughs> Uh, and late breaking tonight, the Washington Post has issued a report about what they're calling the Afghanistan Papers. Did you see this? I did. Yes. Uh, this is how the government has known for years that the war in Afghanistan was unwinnable, according to several top officials. But they lied to us about the prospect there for the past 18 years. We've had 2,400 American deaths and countless injuries, both visible and invisible, not to mention the deaths by suicide. Families torn apart, unspeakable horrors faced by men and women who signed up under the auspices of defeating terrorism. Uh, and probably signed up under the auspices that we were winning. This spans three administrations. Um, and once I get a chance to look into this release further, we'll have more information. But that's chilling news, mirroring the Pentagon Papers about the Vietnam War. Yeah. 
that was released today by the Washington Post, who won a three-year FOIA battle over the 2,000 pages of documentation about the Afghan war. Wow. Thank God for the Washington Post. Yes. Over time. Is yeah. this really a surprise? No, but just to, to get the document, just to get to get it in writing, to have generals say, we didn't know what we were doing over there, was unwinnable. Yeah. Uh, and it was chilling. That they lied to the public about it. Um, it's just such a huge story, and it's just probably not going to get any traction. Yeah. Yeah, I had, uh, for a lot of families, though, I'm sure it's incredibly cathartic just to at least get that confirmation in some kind of a headline. Yeah, I don't know, though, if it's cathartic good or cathartic bad. Like, I if mean, you were in denial about both, it. Both, I guess, if you felt like you were being gaslit the whole time. Yeah, but what if you didn't know? What if you believed it? Yeah. I have... Um, That's terrifying. It is. I had a really... I still have a good friend, uh, Timmy, that I grew up with, whose brother passed away um, fighting in that war. And it was friendly fire, which was incredibly sad. And he was, like, 11 days from coming home. It was just so brutal, and it really, I think I was like 12 when it happened or something, so pretty young, and it was just devastating, and our whole community was pretty liberal, and so from a really young age, the context of that war was just like, this is a pointless war that is killing people unnecessarily, Mm -hmm. and nobody really that I knew we had any desire to believe anything other than that's then that's what was going on was that it was being misshapen and fed to young men and women in a way that was really dangerous yeah when i was a manager working at an agency um that you know we did see a lot of veterans in this agency and there, you know, I managed quite a bit of people and I, I always told this one story about when I was trying to get uh, the employees to like be kind, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I remember, oh, it was like a GS5 clerk. I was checking people and I was talking to people and uh, a woman um, came up in a wheelchair, no legs, and then had her son who has MS on her lap. And she... Uh, was uh, checking in with me and she was happy and smiling and her kid was laughing and they were having a you know just a, a, a nice moment and I had learned that her husband was KIA killed in action in Afghanistan so she was alone with and her legs uh, were blown off in an IED explosion oh my God. Uh, in Afghanistan and so she's alone now uh, and a, a double amputee raising a son a special needs son and she was just happy and kind and and friendly, and so I would I would you know I would tell the story to the employees and I'd be like, no matter how bad your day is, some you know somebody is having a bad day, mm-hmm. somebody's having a worse day, and that's what we have to remember when we when we help these folks out. And when I think about people like that and families like that in the light of news like this, is like how how are they going to take that? You know? Yeah, yeah. I have no direct personal experience with that, so I can't predict it. I guess, but I would think that it's it's probably i mean the truth is always better ultimately even if it's really hard to hear and process initially yeah and um moving uh moving on to the next story here uh, kamala harris has asked for the ouster of uh, Stephen miller uh nazi yeah for all intents and purposes yeah so democrats in the house have already done something similar but kamala is really leading the charge on this letter that was signed and sent to the white house uh today monday calling Trump to fire Miller, Stephen Miller, just 
someone who is blatantly racist, someone whose blatant racism has directly been translated into policies. And that was largely the point of this letter to say he has white nationalist beliefs. There is no way you could possibly make the argument that that sort of thinking has not directly made its way into policies. And here's some uh, quotes from the letter. Uh, We write to demand the immediate removal of Stephen Miller as your advisor. Uh, simply put, Mr. Mueller, Mr. <laughs> Mueller, oh God, Mr. Miller is unfit to serve in any capacity at the White House, let alone as a senior policy advisor. Um, it goes on to say that uh, what is driving Mr. Miller is not national security, it's white supremacy, something that has no place in our country, federal government, and especially not the White House. Um, Harris leading this, I think, is par for the course for the leadership that we see from her as a senator. Um, It makes a lot of sense, I think, for her to be at the helm. And a lot of other senators have signed on to it, 26 other senators, actually, including Warren, Booker, Sanders, Klobuchar, and this guy, Michael Bennett, who is (laughs) this guy. (laughs) This one guy. (laughs) This one guy. Um, But check if your senators have signed on to that. It's online, pretty easy to see the list. And if they haven't, give them a call. And um, maybe ask for a reason as to why they didn't sign on to that. I don't see why anyone wouldn't. I really miss her voice in the campaign. Yeah, me too. I'm going to miss her at the debate. I wish she would just do it. Yeah. Did you see that? um, Well, I'll finish this up really quick and then I'll bring up what I'm going to say. But I want to read one more thing. Uh, The Muslim ban targeted individuals of color and caused chaos at U.S. airports around the country, wreaking havoc on the lives of countless individuals and families. The family separation policy tore children from their families, resulting in widely reported mistreatment and human rights abuses of immigrants in detention facilities nationwide. Um, The rescission of deferred action for childhood arrivals has thrown the lives of hundreds of thousands of dreamers into chaos and instability. Mr. Miller has also reportedly advanced your administration's efforts to slash refugee admissions, limit asylum access for vulnerable populations, prevent extensions of temporary protected status to those granted safety from humanitarian crises abroad, and disqualify immigrants who use public resources from receiving certain immigration benefits. So this really seems like just getting it on the record that there are people who are resisting what's happening right now. It seems like that's all Democrats can do at this point is just do what they can to get it into the record. Yeah, I hope it's a preview of of the kind of action she might take as a, an attorney general. Yeah, I really, really. I mean, I'm 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 sad she's not in the race anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, Me too. Uh, and I I I don't want to sound like it's a concession prize to be the attorney general, but I think she would make an outstanding attorney general. And I really think that that would be, uh, and as a senator, just to to remain a senator this is her role as a senator with this kind of action is also uh just a, it's just she's just such a strong voice mm-hmm. and so if, you know if she's not a senator i would love to see her as attorney general yeah me too all right um uh, more good news time for hashtag 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 today is Supreme Court SCOTUS. Hashtag SCOTUS. Today is the Supreme Court refused to hear a Kentucky abortion law case mandating ultrasounds, leaving in place a ruling from the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals which lets stand a law that requires a doctor to describe an ultrasound in detail while a pregnant woman listens to the fetal heartbeat. Um, the law was passed in 2017, signed by Matt Bevan, who recently lost to the, to the Democrat in Kentucky, and impacts uh, Kentucky's one abortion clinic... 
one abortion clinic. Unbelievable considering Republicans' arguments against Medicare for all that the government shouldn't interfere in doctor-patient relations. Uh, what they mean is that the government shouldn't interfere in the relationship between a man and his doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a silver lining for this one. Yeah, That's the end of that case. Wow. I know there were a couple wins previously, but that's a loss. Yeah. that they They didn't even hear it. And you only need four justices to decide, to grant cert. Yeah. So that's... You just got to get judges, different judges in. <clears throat> that's odd to me because we have four reasonable judges mm-hmm. on, on, on SCOTUS. Yeah. Hmm. There were no comments either uh, about their decision. Weird. To not grant cert. That's weird. Yeah, but they'll probably grant cert in the Trump bullshit cases, right? Yeah. Anyway, uh, I wish I had better news. <laughs> Today is a little, yeah. uh, yay, Inspector General report. Yeah. <laughs> like it's all, that's all I got. The only, the only silver lining I could find here today, and here's what I'm gonna leave you with with my final thought because I, I am not one to let the swamp of sadness take my horse. Um, we're gonna win this election in 2020, and when we do. We now have a fixer-upper country. Mm-hmm. We can rebuild it with stronger laws, stronger ethics and norms and mores um, and better rules and maybe uh, larger courts with more judges that we can appoint uh, and we can sort of rebuild it the way we can make it a more perfect union. We have a really, really great opportunity um, now that the demolition has happened. Mm-hmm to make a more perfect union. So there is more room to build the country and the America that we want. We just have to do it ourselves. We can't hope that other people will do it for us. Mm-hmm. We really have to do this. Um, so we'll just, I'm just gonna keep thinking about that. Yeah. Do you have any finals? Uh, I just ran on Twitter Tulsi Gabbard is not going to be participating in the next Dem debate. She said she won't. She's going to spend her time talking to people on the road. Did she qualify? She, I'll I'll read her (laughs) You'd be like, (laughs) I'm not going to participate. Well, you didn't qualify. Yeah, let's see. Maybe she qualified and she won't. Um, Last I checked, she hadn't, but I'm not sure. Okay, here's what it says. Uh, For a number of reasons, I have decided not to attend the December 19th debate, she put in quotes, regardless of whether or not there are qualifying polls. I instead choose to spend that precious time directly meeting with and hearing from the people of New Hampshire and South Carolina. So there's that. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. I know. It's just like... Didn't she complain that it was an unfair process and she wasn't being included? (laughs) Yes. So maybe this is like a sort of, you know, boycott. So many. I'm le- afraid this is a step toward a third party. That <laughs> yeah. would be my, a third party run. That would be my. Yeah. You know, it's really scary. I was watching. This her. might be her way to say I'm not a Democrat. Yeah. I w- she's not. Right. She runs as a Republican if she runs as a Republican. Yeah. I mean, you know, the concept of like not being a super fan of the DNC. Honestly, I understand that. I get that. Too. I get that. A hundred percent. The way that she is going about it, though, is 
unfortunately giving a lot of fire to the other side entirely which i guess you know some people might just chalk that up to a bummer some people might see that as some sort of bridge well she is 100 percent being pimped by putin and i'm not saying that she's complicit in that in any way shape or form like putin irrespective of her actions other people are doing putin pimped bernie yeah exactly you know and so she's that spoiler she's that potential spoiler i don't see steyer and bloomberg being spoilers like that um they're 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 too rich to to be influenced or to want to do that or to Mm -hmm. or to be pushed to do that Uh, and i'm not saying that you know that she's in talks and cahoots with foreign nations to make a third party run Mm -hmm. i i just i feel like she might be going that way and somebody's advising her yeah yeah, I do also think that it's um, it's kind of one of those situations where, for example, I was watching her live video on Twitter about, I think it was a town hall that she was having, and I was just reading the comments as they were coming through, and it's like most of the comments are from Republicans that are watching and saying, why don't the Dems see that this is like the best candidate, you know, and and stuff that that I'm just not sure how to interpret it. There's On one hand, it could be, oh, that's very interesting. There's a candidate that 100% does have values that align with a lot of the Democratic Party values, and there's Republicans that are fans of her. But then there's these other comments that kind of contextualize those previous comments, which are just incredibly far right in ideology. So. Yeah, and we do know that a lot of her donations come from <laughs> uh, a lot of her donations come from Republicans. A lot of uh, her retweets and support. The Trump War Room congratulated her. For, you know, it's just it's weird. It is just weird. Um, Everything's fucking weird right now. I just hope that her partici- her lack of participation in this debate isn't her stepping stone to I am not a Democrat and I'm going to run as a Libertarian or whatever the hell she decides to run as. Yeah, if she, if she does, she is the full right to run as a third party candidate and i do think that there's a lot of people that would go that way if she does yeah i just hope not enough to uh give trump the election yeah it is a binary system hate it love it it is what it is yeah i hate that phrase too it is what it is (laughs) but it is all right well thank you so much sorry this is kind of a bummer episode i do love you i'm glad that i'm back and i missed you i missed you jordan yes you too and uh, Mandy will be back uh, maybe tomorrow. I have to talk to her. I mean, she'll be back tomorrow mm-hmm. or the next day. <laughs> She's been out being, you know, a wander, wanderlust. What is it? Uh, on walkabout, just being a free spirit. Yes. I love her so much. Yeah. Uh, and please, everybody, take care of yourself. Do you have anything else you want to? Uh, no, no. Before I launch into my. No, go ahead. Take care. Yep. All right. Ready? Yep. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. I've been AG. I've been Jordan Coburn. Them's the beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by A.G. and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazzell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by A.G., Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. <laughs>